My family was out in the streets waving the American flag after 9-11. We had lived in an apartment somewhere in Woonsocket, and we were just absolutely devastated, right? Because this is our new home, you know, and how dare these people, we didn't think of them as these Muslims, how dare these people come and do this on the soil and how barbaric and how unjust and, you know, all of these things. And we were out there waving American flags as cars drove by and, and honked. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. So I wonder, Aisha, you are a very busy woman, right? Very busy career woman. You're doing so much. How do you manage the pressures of responsibility that comes with being a first-generation immigrant? high achieving immigrant woman, you know, you're working full time, you're starting your business, running your business, you're a married woman, responsibilities that comes with, you know, people back home, other ties that you may have. How do you manage all that? Mm -hmm. Uh, I manage it in one way, primarily, and I'll just take you through a quick example to frame it. I often take my clients through an exercise that I call the three P's, um, And uh, the purpose of the exercise is to figure out what your energy anchors are. And your energy anchors are quite simply put, just those things that fuel you, that ignite you, that give you the boost and the power that you need when you need it the most. And so I call them the three Ps because they're, you know, what makes you feel positive, what makes you feel proud, and what makes you feel progressive. And sometimes there are common threads. There's a connective tissue between those three things. And sometimes there's three completely different things. Like what makes you feel, what makes me feel progressive is achieving, reaching milestones. You know, what makes me feel proud is knowing that I'm a good daughter and a good family member to my siblings. Right. Um, so when once I learn to define those things for myself, I then anchor my activities in those things when I need it the most. So that's how I stay somewhat same is I know that an energy anchor for me is my family, spending time with my nieces and nephews specifically. I got 13 of them and one on the way. (laughs) We got a little one in the bun. I'm so excited to meet him, God willing. Uh, But those guys are my life. I love those guys. I love spending time with them. They range from, well, one in the bun all the way to 22. And uh, they all were born and raised here such good kids. I mean, amazing kids. And they're funny. They have great personalities. I spend a lot of time with them when I'm feeling a little depleted. Another one that's an energy anchor for me is faith and prayer. So prayer and meditation. Uh, I feel very out of whack, very off balance when I don't pray and I don't meditate. I mean, it's like my entire being is created for worship, in my opinion. And when Mm -hmm. I'm not aligned with that, my being tells me I'm not aligned with it right? It definitely start getting the anxious anxiety or jittery, you know, all these things. So it manifests for me. Uh, I would say those are probably my two biggest energy anchors and how I just bring myself back down to, to earth, feet on the ground. Yes. Yes. Very good. Very good. As you mentioned praying in your most recent response, I wonder, I've been looking for somebody to ask this question. So (laughs) Because I'm really intrigued. I know the U.S. 
it's a complexity of when it comes to religion, right? It's a Christian country. You're obviously of the Muslim faith um, or Islamic faith. I hope I say that correctly. And I wonder this whole idea of religion and the immigrant experience and how have you been able to navigate that here in in the U.S. and the impact of uh, whether whether it's colonialism, you know, how do you express your immigrant self, your religious immigrant self here? and, And are you able to do that confidently or struggles you've had over the years? Another excellent question by the amazing Simone. Um, This one makes me adjust, as you can see, right? My discomfort is manifesting physically because it's one that is so complex and has a lot of emotions tied to it. The emotions being discomfort, number one, sometimes fear of judgment, fear of being misunderstood. As a Muslim person in this country, I would say it was butter before 9-11. And I don't have, you know, you can imagine for many reasons why that's the case. But the attack on the Twin Towers on 9-11 and other places in the United States completely changed what it meant for me to walk proudly and openly in my faith for a little while. Luckily, it changed not too long after that. But my family was out in the streets waving the American flag after 9-11. We had lived in an apartment somewhere in Woonsocket, and we were just absolutely devastated, right? Because this is our new home, you know, and how dare these people, we didn't think of them as these Muslims, how dare these people come and do this on this soil, and how barbaric and how unjust and, you know, all of these things. And we were out there waving American flags as cars drove by and, and honked, it, and we swatched as, you know, whatever you may think about him, President George W. Bush go on national television, and I'm paraphrasing, but say something as noble as, you know, our our struggle is not with Muslim people, it's with Islamic radicals, right? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. You know, these people are, are absolutely out of control. And then it wasn't too long after that, that you started seeing you know, um, the brutality, the prejudice, the misunderstandings, um, the violence towards Muslims, uh, but more importantly, people who looked Muslim, mm. who failed, people who were brown, people who didn't necessarily look like me, because I walk down the street and you may never know that I'm a practicing Muslim because I don't veil. Um, I don't exercise that particular choice for me, not yet anyway. And so things took a very quick, drastic turn. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, I don't, the same person who was waving the American flag now feels like they don't belong in this country. At least they don't belong if they stand within the fullness of being themselves. Um, And so that was many years, right? It was many years until things started to take a little bit more of a turn. I started, you know, experiencing a little bit more understanding I still wouldn't in the workplace proclaim that I'm a Muslim or anything like that, but I would listen closely to the conversations and I'd see, you know, not everybody's like that. Not everybody, you know, has all these kind of really negative feelings attached to Islam. Some people know that every religion, unfortunately, goes through these weird convulsions of extremists that decide to take it upon themselves to represent an entire faith. Um, So difficult. Sorry, I know that's a bit of a long-winded answer. I apologize. I'll come to a quick stop here, but um, I'm happy to be on the other side of it. 
And uh, it took a few good people to demonstrate to me that not everyone's going to judge you for being a practicing Muslim for me to get to a place where I would take my prayer mat to work with me and I would find a private room and pray while I'm at work. And so today wow. I stay in the fullness of myself, no matter where I am. I'm a proud Muslim. I talk about it. I speak about it. And whoever has questions, most importantly, if I don't know the answer to it, I'll direct you to someone who does. But I want people to know what Islam actually really is about. Because two days ago, we celebrated a holiday that most of the world doesn't know we celebrate. We celebrated a holiday marking when Noah from the Bible, when his ark finally landed atop a mountain. It's a sacred holiday for Muslims. Really? Tell me more. It's a sacred holiday for Muslims. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the it's called Ashura. It's a holiday called Ashura. And because we revere all of the Jewish prophets from the very beginning of creation, Adam, peace be upon him, all the way to uh, what we call Isa in his in the Arabic word, but Jesus, peace be upon him. And we say peace be upon him on all of them. It's disrespectful to not say that. To Noah, to Joseph, to every every single one of them that you know, that I know, and that the Jews know. We refer all of them. And this particular holiday is about, you know, uh, marking as a special, the day when basically God decided that we might be worth another shot as a human race. And uh, the ark finally landed atop that mountain. Um, and so we celebrate that by fasting. And I believe the Jews have a similar, um, uh, they fast on that day as well. I'm not 100% sure, but I think so. Uh, so all of these things, we right before that celebrated a holiday that marks when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, right, in obedience to God. We call that Eid al-Adha. And so we have all these like language again, <laughs> right? Um, you have 2 billion Muslims who know what this means. And then many, many, many more people who don't know that we're celebrating these things that actually really do pull us all together um, as sister faiths, at least amongst the Jews and the Christians and the Muslims. Yes, and that's beautiful. That's why we exist here as a podcast, to share information. Because I have found throughout my lifetime of travel, of being exposed to people from other cultures, other countries, oh my gosh, it broadens your mind. It changes you, it, you know. Um, and the sad part about it is, you know, people who hold certain perspectives or um, tend to be stuck with certain beliefs about people, they tend to not be exposed mm -hmm. or, you know, have ignorance about groups of people, why they hold certain perspectives. And so information always frees, always opens up, always, I mean, just bringing in the light, just, yeah, that's amazing. So I'm glad you are sharing that because I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never studied the different religions, but I know Muslim, uh, Islam, Christianity and Judaism are uh, their similarities there, right? And more than people realize that's the thing. It's like I, I, the world would be a richer place if we all really understood the depth to which there are similarities. But it's easier to just highlight the two, three things that, you know, um, tear us apart, essentially. Thanks for sharing that. So, Aisha, I'm wondering if you, you know, you shared a bit about 
you know, being able to bring your prayer mat to work and the fact that you are, you're not necessarily uh, externally or visibly showing up as Muslim, right? But I wonder outside of that, have you been able to show up as your authentic immigrant self at work, socially, in your communities, you know, whatever space you find yourself, do you feel like you can bring Senegalese, Gabonese, you know, whatever culture that is your roots and who you are, do you feel like you have to adjust that or do you show up as your authentic immigrant self? Mm. To be dishonest if I said I didn't have to adjust it a bit, a little bit. Uh, not everybody's ready for the full assault of <laughs> all the things that is your culture. <laughs> yeah. Like I may not be, I may not bring my salted fish to work. I might hold that for 15 years from now when you're ready for um more pungent tastes and, and things like that, right? We all have like these foods that we love that are part of our culture that we're like, nah, y'all ain't ready for this just yet. But when it comes to other things, um, I would say, yes, I am so happy to be in a place in life. Um, and it's a journey. Uh, you know, I didn't just wake up and decide I was going to show up in the sort of fullness of myself. But um, I think the journey essentially was just deciding that I I don't conform to this at all. Like, I'll give you a very small example, but big in that um Sometimes it's these little things that kind of typify who we are. And for me, it's like color, color and um, fashion. For example, I come from a country where the colors are loud. They are bold. They are vibrant, you know, and they're an extension of yourself. I mean, the more plumage and beautiful the colors, the better. And I stepped into corporate settings and everybody was wearing black and gray and navy blue. And I was like, <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> you know, but I said, yeah, you when in Rome, do as the Romans. And so I spent a couple of weeks wearing black, gray, and navy blue. Um, and then I was like, I don't know, something's gotta give. So I one day I just was like, I'm gonna wear my red heels today. So I wore my red heels and I walked into the office. Oh, nice shoes, you know. And I'm like, mm, is this like a real nice shoes or like a hmm, nice shoes? This is kind of strange that you're wearing this year. First time in corporate settings, I didn't really know what to think. Um, but something in my heart said, assume the best out of people. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going to keep wearing my nice shoes. And so I started wearing more elaborate looking shoes. And then it started working its way from the bottom up. And next thing you know, I'd show up in floral dresses. Um, you know, I tend to be a little bit of a girly girl. And so I'd wear my bright colors and I'd literally be a peacock in an office full of, but you know what was so funny, Simone? Slowly but surely, I remember the first instance I actually realized it. A co-worker of mine, I worked in a cubicle. She had a nice office. She was director. Her name's Martha. She walks out and she goes, Aisha, look. And she points to her feet and she's got a pair of red heels on. And she goes, you like my shoes? I go, I love your shoes. You look great, you know? And as small of a human moment as that seems, who knows how long that woman had spent wanting to wear those shoes and not wearing those shoes. Mm. Like decades probably, because she was older than me. Gorgeous, older than me. And I just, I, there was just that moment that I realized like, oh, okay, like this could be something. And over time, you just started to see more and more people. Maybe it was a floral lapin or, or a little yellow shirt under the blue blazer, you know, or whatever. But color started coming around. And 
um, it's a small win, but I think when you are able to show up in the fullness of yourself, you give other people the permission to do the same and then you shape culture around you. And so um, to go back to your question, yeah, I feel like I can do that. And that was really reifying for me. And it was something as small as fashion, but it was a part of my culture that I insisted upon actually embodying and it changed culture. So for all of our immigrants, brothers and sisters, I say, please bring the best of yourself and the best of your culture, bring warmth to meetings. It's another thing that's really strange to me. You know, the overly concision and brevity of corporate settings, that's not who we are. In fact, if you did that with your family, you probably get one across the back of the head. You know what I mean? So <laughs> why do we treat other people like this? Say hello, greet people. How are you? And mean it. <laughs> Ask about their family. You know, of course, be HR aware, but uh, be human first. And then you create a warm environment around you. And, you know, I think our culture is such an important part of that. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing. Wow. So has it been worth it, Aisha? Like leaving Senegal and all that richness of being immersed, all of the challenges with language and the culture and religion and, and other things. Has it been worth it for you moving away from your home, your roots? Good question. I'd love for you to ask me that in 20 years. Oh, okay. Okay. When when I've done what I'm setting out to do, which is to hopefully leave this country, this place, this world. I know it sounds so lofty, but it's in my heart a better place than I found it. Um, because I truly believe that it's only worth it if I use the gift of having been able to immigrate, start a new life, become more economically independent. If I use that gift to make the better, world a better place than I found it, then then it would have been worth it. But I paused because um, I realized the blessing in being here, despite how difficult the journey has been. And I think about people like my cousin who, you know, never had the opportunity to leave, right? And they're surrounded by love and happiness and a completely different set of good feelings, but the economic freedom isn't there. That's a reality for a lot of us, you know, as much as we love our homes, we know that economic freedom is restricted. Um, and here, you know, in the land of opportunity, though there are many a barrier, uh, you have just a little bit of an easier chance at economic freedom. So is it worth it? The, it remains to be seen. I hope so. Sure. I sure hope so. Right, right. And I guess the other follow-up question was, how has it shaped you into the person that you are today? I wonder. Yeah. It has made me ever grateful because I have been able to see both sides where I thought the grass was greener and where it is always greener on the other side. So I've had the privilege of... um seeing both and knowing that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. you got to water it. you got to plant the seeds. you got to do all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how it has shaped me. It's I think sometimes my um, people have a misconception of how easy it is to be in the United States, you know, 
We're sometimes yeah. money sending machines <laughs> and we are there to solve every problem of someone back home. They lose touch with understanding how hard we have to work to have yeah. what little we have here. You know, I didn't know what stress was. I mean, I was also a kid, but a lot of people back home my age, like don't really know what stress is <laughs> until you come here and you're sort of crushed under the weight of the hamster wheel. Go, 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 go. Um, and so I've learned to have appreciation that when I'm home, I'm just like enjoying what it's like to be a bit untethered from all of these responsibilities um, of what it means to be an immigrant in the United States. But when I'm here, I'm also ever aware of I'm working really hard, but at least I have the option to. Yes. You know, right. Right. Um, and I can make a difference for people in my vicinity and certainly for my family back home as well. Yes, yes, context and perspective, right? Yes. Right, yes. From, from both sides. So it's said that uh, success leaves clues and I wonder, what do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your journey? I wish I had known the strength of my identity earlier. Mm. I feel that I wasted a lot of my teenage years worrying about who I was, who am I, who am I going to be, what side do I pick, you know, all of these things, right? And it sounds really silly, but to 14-year-old me, you had to pick a side, you know, you, you got to be African fully, or you got to be African-American fully, or, you know, you got to be a nerd fully. I was also a band geek and that didn't help at all. Um, but I love my trombone and my French horn. So um, I wish I hadn't spent so much time caring about how other people saw me and defined me and what categories they wanted to put me in. I wish I had had the strength of saying, I am my mother's daughter. It's as simple as that. Took me too wow, long. but that's so deep. Sorry. That's no, so... no. <laughs> yes, that's so deep. Yes, and and um, I'm taking that in because I'm walking that out too. Because I know whether it be you know, I can't. When I was here, I was like a hundred. When I came, I was 128 pounds, and I was healthy. And I just remembered after a while thinking that I was fat and. Mm. I was this thin, healthy girl. I was happy at home, surrounded by family and cousins and healthy environments. And just once you're here, the environment can be, um, it can just seep in mm -hmm. and cause you to really question who you are at the core. And so whatever you can do to, whether it's brace yourself, whether it's, what's the word, create a buffer between that outside Yes. And guarding, guarding who you are and your um, your belief in yourself, your family's belief in who you are, that healthy part of you and, yes. and not letting stuff just come in and erode that, you know, that but that's so deep. Yeah, because it can really um, because then you get older and then you realize, my goodness, I've lost a lot of time. So much time. So and, and you can't tell you can't I watch my nieces and nephews go through the same things and you can't save them from themselves and perhaps I never would be who I am if I didn't go through that right that's the other thing about God's grace and his path but you certainly wish you could just like 
give them that jolt to know, like, don't waste your time doing this. You're going to regret this someday. But the journey is the journey. I think one thing that's really important, Simone, for all of us, I know it is for me, was having that anchor that reminds you of who you're supposed to be, even if you don't know who you are today. Because who you are changes. Like, it's always in flux. You know, your core values don't, but, you know, how you manifest them change. Um, but even when I didn't know who I was, my mother always anchored me to who I was supposed to be. And that mm -hmm. was always sort of my Polaris. That was always my North Star. Uh, so if we can give our children that at the very minimum, they might do a lot of zigzagging, but hopefully they kind of sort of go back to a straight path. We hope. Right, right. So I want to wrap up, Aisha, with giving you a space to share about your business and how people can connect with your services and so forth. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. So Start in the Beginning is a labor of love for us. I don't, it's hard for me to call it a business, but um, it's a family, it's an academy, it's a place uh, where one feels a sense of belonging and trust. Um, but more importantly, the coaching that we provide truly helps to transform people's lives. Um, again, through the coaching, we realize that a lot of the barriers to speaking and communication and showing up in the fullness of yourself um, and with full confidence in your ideas and thoughts comes from a lack of, of knowing oneself. Uh, and we all take this for granted. We think we really know who we are and what we bring to the table as value, but we help people actually unpack all of that as sort of a step one. And for those of us who know and already feel like we're pretty strong in that area, we focus on how do you deliver messages in a way that is compelling. Um, and so we work on both the speaking aspect of it, but also the message crafting so that you can show up at any panel discussion, any speaking engagement on your digital content you know, across all the platforms as the most full version, but also impactful version of yourself, because it's important for your message to resonate with your listener. Um, so that's what we do at SITB, and we are extremely proud of that work. And how do we find you online? Sure. There's a few ways. Uh, we, are, we have our website. Please check it out at www.sitbstudio.com. That's S-I-T-B then the word studio.com. We're also on Instagram at SitB Studio. Uh, we are on Facebook um, at SitB Studio One. Hopefully we can provide either links or um, write this down somewhere for folks to be able to hit that follow button. And then I'm also on LinkedIn. So please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn there. And we can also share our business page on LinkedIn, uh, which is SitB. We appreciate your time with us today, Ms. Lee. Which so. I think, by the way, as a sidebar, is another holdoff from our um uh, from my culture. We don't change our last name um from our culture. When we come here in the United States, a lot of us do take on our husband's last name, but we carry on our um our last names in my culture. So my mother is City Babe, that's her maiden name, and my great-grandmother is gay, that's her maiden name. Really? So I think it's a cute little beautiful part that we're able to um maintain that part of our identities if we so choose. Yes, that's awesome. That's beautiful. I didn't know that. <laughs> right. No, thanks for sharing. Nice tidbit there. 
But thank you so much, Aisha. I've enjoyed listening to you and thank you for spending some time here and adding your immigrant story to our human immigrant library. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the thoughtful questions and the insightful conversation. I learned from this as well. And I thank you for having this beautiful platform for all of us to uh, learn and grow from one another. Thank you so much. Friends, as always, please subscribe, comment, and share if you enjoyed this interview. If you're passionate about telling immigrant stories, our team is looking for help. If you're willing to help with podcast production, social media, or Patreon management, please reach out to us. You can also donate on our Patreon if it's easier for you. All the links are in the description below. Thank you. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.